The world has gone insane. Cosplayers rule the conventions. Gamers dominate the tabletop and the internet. Sci-fi subjugates the movies and fantasy rules the bookstore with an iron fist. Only one group can bring order to this unruly mob. A team of uber geeks, masters of the nerdly arts, trained for decades in the hobby shops and basements of the nation. Mobilized by the secret masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs. Hello, operatives, and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host, Rob Patterson, here with my co-host, Don Chisholm. Who's apologizing ahead of time for sounding like Froggy from the, uh, from the Little Rascals. Um, Don has a frog in his throat, apparently, and a case of telephone voice tonight. And mm-hmm. tonight, we have some special guests, Shane and Dave, from the MrKitty.org website, the site of all things cool, amazing, fun, and unusual, have decided to come and um, join us tonight to talk about their amazing site. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. That's a really nice introduction, because I don't think it's all that amazing. Oh, I I disagree. Pretty amazing? Okay, well, okay, fine. It's pretty amazing. But either way. (laughs) So, Shane, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Well, um, I studied uh, 2D animation a long time ago. I wouldn't say it's before 3D animation was a thing, but Mm -hmm. it's getting close. But uh, I graduated from Sheridan College in their 2D animation program. Um, I started drawing comics sometime after college. Mm -hmm. Uh, Haven't uh, worked professionally that often in animation uh right now i write described video scripts for the seeing impaired um and i've held a lot of um i would say odd jobs over the course of my life Hmm, okay that's well cool and interesting jobs from the sounds of it Mm. um uh, okay sure well ones (laughs) ones that pay the bills in one form or another anyway Oh, uh, sure, yeah. Some of them have been cool and interesting, and some of them have just been, uh, I can't wait to finally cut the cord, but yeah. Well, okay. Well, I hope you're not cutting the cord on descriptive video. I mean, those poor blind people, they, they need your oh, help. Oh, no. No, no, I'm always looking for more work for that. I, I enjoy that. She can type like a house on fire. She's the fastest typist I've ever seen. That was, I, I also transcribed for a living for many years. Wow, so oh, yeah, you must be fan. super fast. Huh. Yeah, I'm I'd like to say I'm pretty fast. I believe it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I think most people. I think most people are fast these days because everyone communicates via internet. So right. I'm sure there are people who tap on their phones much faster than I could. Well, I'm a college professor, and uh, I've got to tell you that some of my students they sit there with their thumbs on their phones, and it's amazing. They can actually take notes at incredible speed. Yeah, yeah that's um. It, I, I'm amazed because I could never tap with my thumbs that quickly. Yeah. I can. I just can't produce anything legible. Yeah. <laughs> it's all gibberish. Well, there halfway that. there. Um, so how about you, Dave? What's what's your background? Well, I'm originally uh, from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm uh, born and raised in Atlanta. Um, yes, that is where I'm from. I went to Georgia State University. I got a degree in illustration. I helped start Anime Week in Atlanta. I've been a Japanese cartoon nerd all my life. And I helped start Anime Week in Atlanta, which is a convention that's still happening in Atlanta is every year. Is it actually year. a week long? It's a weekend. Weekend, okay. 
so, so it's like a you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a weekend. Okay, so we didn't we didn't want to call it a convention, so we called right. it an anime weekend. Anime it's Thursdays too. Yeah, so now actually it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, so it eventually uh, will be anime week. It's just slowly uh, that its will, way out. That will just murder us all. That'll be just a total <laughs> devastation. Do you actually still go back for it? Oh yeah, every year. Yeah. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, I do an event there and also at Anime North. That's called Anime Hell, which is sort of a crazy clip show. Right. And I've been doing that for 20 years, more or less. Uh, so that's always a fun thing to do. Right. Now, did you do that in some of the first Anime Norths as well? Or was, how long have you been doing it at Anime North? Well, I, we moved up to Toronto. Shane had been in Toronto, and we got married, so I moved up to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was 2004. Mm-hmm. So my first Anime North was 2005, and I've been doing Anime Hell at Anime North since 2005. So this would be the the convention's coming up next month, so it'll be 12 years, mm-hmm. I guess. Oh. So this would be the 12th yeah. one. I yeah, think. yeah. yeah I've, so. I've heard of Anime North, uh, Anime Hell. That's actually pretty famous. That's very cool. Well, you know, it's a it's a lot of fun. Um, we get a couple of thousand people in there, and, and uh, I don't get approval for anything I show. Of course, I don't get uh, nobody signs off on it. It's just whatever I can find, and people seem to like it. So, well, for our audience, what exactly is Anime Hell? Can you describe it? It's a crazy clip show. It's short animated bits. It's fake uh, commercials. It's movie trailers. It's uh, clips of bad dubbing. It's clips of bad animation. Clips from live action shows, uh, real commercials, uh, you name it, a little bit of everything. Amateur films, uh, some amateur films that I have starred in, I've shown. Right. Um, I was a member of a group called Cornpone Flicks for a while. I've that heard of them, yeah. And subtitled anime and also produced their own short. We did a film called Indiana Jones and the Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh we God. did uh, a film called Pong which is about video games being uh, like drugs as, you know, a 70s uh, right. exploitation yeah. cop movie. So it's got a lot of, you know, uh, I got to shoot a lot of people in that. It was a lot of fun. That, that's <laughs> awesome. That's great. That was fun to shoot. Wow, so but I moved up here, yeah. and uh, when we moved up here, we decided, well, we need some place to uh, show off our... Um, you know our comics because we I had been I've been drawing uh, comics pretty much my whole life, and uh, I'm not uh, I don't think I'm that good at it, but I'm enthusiastic about it. So that's what's important. I have a lot of fun doing it. We're both enthusiastic artists. En- enthusiastic amateurs. Well, I don't think I don't, you know I don't wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say we're enthusiastic or we're amateurs. amateurs. I wouldn't say you know mm-hmm. we get paid for it every once in a while. Once in a while. I got three fifty. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody sent me three fifty over uh, over Twitter or Twitter because uh, they like my uh, my Don Rickles sketch, which is Don Rickles. Just passed away. Yeah, yeah, he just <laughs> passed away, right? So yeah, we're actually kind of broken up about that because he was a giant. Yep, I was uh, I, I I was actually really uh, well. I was sad because he was my favorite comedian ever since I was a little kid. But mm-hmm. also, I had kind of harbored a dream of. Uh, meeting him, like going to one of his shows and getting his autograph on the uh, Superman comic. The Jimmy Olsen, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Jimmy yeah. Olsen. Yeah, that one, that would have been perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I would have loved to have gotten his autograph The on look that. on his face yeah. would have been, <laughs> been priceless. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, one of Don's friends actually did meet him. Uh, he works as a, my Don's friend works as a security guard doing at, at uh, the casino in Windsor. 
And oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd actually escorted Don Rickles when Don had come up to do shows at Windsor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. yeah, I think the last time we he... We had considered going to one of them. He was at Casino Rama, which is um, up in uh, Barry Aurelia. Right. The Aurelia Casino. And that was just a little too far, I think. It was like a crappy oh. time of the year. and You'd have to stay overnight. Yeah, we, yeah, you'd basically have to, you know, get a get a room, stay overnight. Because there is, uh, yeah, I'm not driving that in the middle of the night. Well, you could have hopped one of those buses with all those seniors they constantly take up there. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why they have that, yeah. That's all right. right. So, so Mr. Kitty is basically your giant collection of stuff that you guys think is cool and interesting then. I think so. Uh, yeah, it's uh, got a lot of our stuff. Got comics. It's got uh, other sort of things on it. I think we had started doing we had started doing stupid comics because I had a, an issue of a comic uh, my friend Grant Goggins turned me on to in Athens, Georgia, mm-hmm. called uh, "Guardians of Justice and the O Force." Oh, and he okay. found it. He found it in a dollar bin or a twenty-five cent bin. He's like, "Dave, you have to have this." So mm-hmm. we sort of were buying terrible comics out of the cheapy bins. And every time people would come over, we would say, hey, check out this terrible comic. Right. And after a while, you know, you can't invite everybody in the world into your living room. It's a little annoying. I used to do this even when I was in high school. I'd like, if I'd find something stupid or funny in a comic book, I'd like show it to my friends and I'd be laughing and trying to explain to them why it was funny. And I think they just found it annoying. <laughs> right. And I was constantly showing them these. I, I'm sure they, they probably had no idea why it was funny anyway. Like, you kind of have to put it out there, right. lay it out. Context is, is key. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, definitely. And so that's so that's the genesis then of stupid comics, I guess. You just kind of just started just taking clips from those comics, putting them up with your own commentary. And Yeah, and we're not the first people to do that on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, um, Super Dickery had been doing that. Sean Baby had. Sean Baby. Sean Baby actually called his site "Stupid Comics." Yeah. So, which, in retrospect, we probably should have found another name. <laughs> Sorry, oh, Sean okay. Baby. Um, like Scott Shaw had been doing that mm-hmm. as he yeah. for a while. Yeah. So he pointed out to us. Yeah, he pointed out in uh, a highly irritated tone of voice, or at least a tone of uh, rating. A series of really irritated messages on an internet forum once. Comic book resources. Yeah. Yeah. Way back. Yep. Never, never have heroes, kids. Never have oh, heroes. <laughs> he wasn't exactly no. a hero. No. Um, but but a lot. You know, we're I'd not the only given people. Given away my Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew comics. So. What I'm trying to say is that those are collectors' items. They probably are worth something now. Yeah, but I just I was at the point where I had a lot of stuff, and this was like long before I was, you know, doing a website. And I was just giving away a bunch of my comics, and I was like, I don't want people seeing this and thinking I'm a furry, so I should get rid of them. And it's dumb, because I still have all my Omaha the Cat Dancer comics. So, it, like, that's way furrier. Yeah, but, but no- nobody shows those in public. No one admits to having those in public, usually. <laughs> you know, you'd think that's true, but I, I remember bringing the first uh, issue, the Bizarre Sex Number 9, that mm-hmm. ran the first story. I remember br- bringing that... To high school, showing my friends. high school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That would have gotten me in a lot of trouble. In well, high I school. would have if I, if I didn't. <laughs> right. My parents, so, my, my teachers didn't pay any attention. Yeah, that's good. Well, okay, that's, 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 that's good. Obviously, didn't, obviously it wasn't a Catholic high school. No, no, it was just a regular public school, underfunded, and overcrowded. Yep. That's that's 
that's kind of ironic because I remember that was where I first read uh, the uh, the bizarre sex with Oma Hynek, and I went to a Catholic high school. Oh. <laughs> so, the 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 thing that stuck with me out of that one is if you remember the issue, there's a uh, uh, I think it's a Howard Cruz story that I don't yes. want to get into this, the specifics, but where he explains that Stan Lee has like the whitest teeth in the uh, in the comic industry. Oh yeah, I think I yeah I forgot. It's like a backup story. Yeah, because it was it was an anthology. Oh okay, the, the bizarre yeah. sex, the one I'm thinking of. I, I remember it just being one long Omaha story. Oh, that was I, the second one. I think Omaha did take over the comic. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's the one I yeah. had. Well, that sold yeah. like a house on fire for Kitchen Sink, man. Oh, yeah. That made Dennis Kitchen so much money. You can't go wrong with furry yeah. porn. <laughs> well, that was, that was, I think, the comic that started that. I, I think it did. It's, um, it certainly perfected it. I don't think it's ever... Uh, <laughs> it never yeah. quite gotten past that pinnacle. Well, wasn't yeah, wasn't Crumb already doing what amounted to furry porn already oh, yeah. in his stuff? Yeah, but he wasn't like yeah. like he wasn't taking it seriously. Okay, like okay. Omaha the Cat Dancer is this enormous soap opera, mm-hmm. and Robert Crumb would have. In fact, I believe I have an issue of Weirdo where Robert Crumb makes fun of Omaha the Cat Dancer. Really, and it's called it's called Wichita the Rat Dancer, and it it just it's it turns into this soap opera parody with just people babbling about their stock options and their restaurants they're opening and. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Well, that's 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 the later Omaha. The yeah. original Omaha and Bizarre Sex was uh, it wasn't completely porn, but there was a lot of sex. It was, yeah, it, was it, well, it, wasn't, I, it was never Robert Crumb like though, because Robert Crumb yeah. was always trying to make some sort of point about you know society or something with Fritz the Cat. Butts and butts. Butts. Creed <laughs> Waller was more of a. a Breast man. He was a yeah. I, I think his 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 females were more of an idealized, yeah, standard beautiful woman. Whereas Crumb is like, oh no no no, this is what I like specifically. This <laughs> right, is me yeah. personally here, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. knows what Robert Crumb likes. There's no gray area there. <laughs> well, speaking of 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 people who can draw like a house on fire, but who you wouldn't necessarily want to spend a weekend with. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. No. Really? I want to spend. Hmm? I'd like to hang out with Eileen Crumb. Yeah, she's, but she's crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah, she'd be fun. I have to go to France. <laughs> Let's go to France. I think she'd scare stop. me more. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely a frightening woman. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's it's the idea like Crumb, you kind of know where you you stand, but you think who would be involved with this guy voluntarily? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure they have an understanding. I'm sure I think she they understands. Do. Yeah. Well, she, you know, she knows she she can make him toe the line. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I could I could definitely see that. So let's hear a little bit more about or talk a little bit more about you, your version of stupid comics. Um. So, what is then? I guess the obvious question is: So, what is the most classic uh, stupid comic? What's the one you've gotten the most feedback for? Oh, what's, what's yeah? What would be the most feedback? Probably Fletcher Hanks. Yeah. For yeah, sure. yeah, definitely for sure. um, um, Fletcher Hanks, uh, Stardust, the Super Wizard, and Phantoma, the Mystery Woman of the Jungle. Uh, right. Right? You know, I'm I'm sure you're familiar with Fletcher Hanks. He's this alcoholic, wife beating, uh, golden age, uh... thoroughly nasty human being. <laughs> right. And I had I had bought um, I had been aware of this this artist. Um, there's a comic store in Athens called the Bizarro Wextry, actually run by a friend of mine. It's the best comic book store 
uh, in certainly in Georgia and probably the South and de- uh, possibly the United States. Anyway, he's like Dave. Here's this awesome character. You have to look at these comics. I picked up an issue of Fantastic Comics with Stardust in it mm-hmm. at, a, at a sale, and this is a comic from 1940. And I right. think I paid five bucks for it. So I'm like, oh yeah, that's cheap, you know. And right. it has that's this insane. I believe. Raw had featured one of his stories, mm-hmm. so uh, Art Spiegelman was definitely aware of this this weird sort of uh, backwoods uh, uh, primitive. It's like folk art, very much so. Outsider much so. art, a lot of power to it. Right, yeah. a lot of power to the, it. The artwork isn't good per se, but it gets the point across. So we we took a, a fan, there's a Phantoma story in that mm-hmm. Fantastic Comics, I think, mm-hmm. and there's also a, a Stardust story. Didn't right. my father's yeah comics. so shane has shane's dad collected comics and he had this enormous collection of 1940s comics he collected right. exclusively golden age yeah that he had, he had grown up reading yeah yeah it was just the comics that he read as a kid and he you know as many people do wanted to go back and recollect them all so we have this sort of this resource of 1940s golden age comics and i yeah. I, I think there is a fletcher hanks in one of those but he he was a Fiction House, uh, he worked for Fiction House, which did Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. Right. So if you have Jumbo Comics, I believe yeah, Sheena yeah, was in. Yeah, Jumbo. So there's some, some Fletcher Hanks happening in, in there, too. Hmm. But we, we uh, the Phantoma was the first Fletcher Hanks story we did, and that got a lot of feedback. People were like, oh my god, this guy's head just got ripped off. Why is her face a skull now? The right. di- the, the gorillas are all, you know... The same gorilla drawn over and over and over it, and over again. It's very dreamlike. It's very dreamlike. So right. we've gotten a lot of feedback from that. Yeah. And then um, Karasik made, he published two books of Fletcher Hanks yeah. comics. Uh, Fanographics just published those. Well, well just. They was like 10 years well, ago. Well, I know. But uh, yeah, the, there was a kind of a, a, a lot of internet talk about Fletcher Hanks around the time the books came out. So What's great is that we see the scans we made of those comics pop mm-hmm. up. All over the internet, you can see. Oh, I scan that panel in. Oh, I scan that panel in. You know, and you you feel proprietary about it, but at the same right. time, like we well, didn't draw yeah, it, didn't, we, we, we didn't print it. it, we just found it somewhere and put it on the internet right. so people could make fun of it. Right. <laughs> that, that's awesome. But we do own it. We do own that. Yeah, that's a, that's the rule we have about stupid comics. We physically own all those comics. These aren't scans people made and sent us. We didn't right. download these comics. These are all physical. We own physical copies of these comics. Right. Now, do people, though, send you actual comics? We have comic people books? have yes. sent us actual comics, yeah. Oh, oh, God. The worst... They, someone sent us uh, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane comics. Oh, um, which oh, is, I don't know if you remember this, this comedy that Andrew Dice Clay starred yeah, in you, back in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> As, you know, most of us have tried to forget, but... Um, so we get the comic and, and we, uh, you know, make fun of it and put it on stupid comics. And I think it was on the floor for. We some left reason. it lying around because we were we were like it was the summer we were busy. I think we were out of town. Yeah, and we just left it for whatever reason, and it was fine. But at some point, we're like, oh, we should uh, find we should put this somewhere. We pick it up, and it is crawling with little white maggots. Oh. It was the most horrifying. And we don't have those here. We have. This is a it new is a movie. horror movie. There, it was like The Exorcist. It was absolutely it, yes. horrifying. It, it was, I, and they were only in the comic, nowhere else. Only We've Ford Fairlane. Never seen them before. 
worst. They sought out. They sought out their own. Like seats. You know, that's not really. Because I watched. I had to uh, do a Woody Allen movie recently for Mm -hmm. work, and uh, he was in it, and he was actually really good. So yeah, Dice Clay is. To be fair, he is a good actor. He can act. I think he took this character and took it too far. He wrote it all the way. um, (laughs) Internalized it and let it ruin his career for a while. Uh, I think he just didn't realize that the joke would get old. Yeah. Probably. So yeah, Maggots. Maggots over the Fort Fairlane yeah, comic. That was, that that was, was uh, Mother Nature itself commenting <laughs> upon how terrible. And it was a really lousy comic. Yeah, it was. There's a it character. Was DC, yeah, it was a DC comic, so it should have had a, some kind of quality to it. But I, I believe there's a character in it that was uh, supposed to be... Like, they changed his race. Like, he was supposed to be a black character, and they turned him white. Oh, okay. Or vice versa, or something like that. Like, they were trying to make him Andrew Dice. They were trying to make him, um... <sighs> was, was he, like, Prince? No, 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 no. He had a talk show. Oh, Help me Arsenio out here. Hall? Arsenio Hall, yes. Oh, okay. They were, it was, like, a thinly disguised Arsenio Hall. And I, I think legal department was like, oh, we better change this, you know, so... Right. But yeah, I, I think that was, you know, we've got comics from all, I think every publisher is represented. Right. I think so. yeah. Like we've Harvey, Com- I, I don't believe we've got any EC comics in there. No, I can't Haven't imagine fun of trying any to make, EC comics. We, we probably could, but the thing is, one of our other rules is no reprints, unless they're vintage reprints. Like I've put up, we've put up some comics that were reprints of '50s comics, but they were reprinted in the '70s. Like I've owned them since I was a kid. Ah, uh, okay. That's I think perfect. that counts. Which yeah. I yeah, think yeah. is legitimate. But if it's like, because I have like uh, a big collection, a big hardback collection of uh, post horror, like after the the post code of EC comics, mm-hmm. they had to stop all their horror and suspense uh, comics. Oh yeah, psychoanalysis. Psychoanalysis. <laughs> Psychoanalysis, which is about people getting psychoanalyzed. And okay. it would probably be funny to do as a stupid, stupid comics just because it's so weird. But it's, you know, it's a hardback reprint. I feel like kicking those guys when they're down. Well, they're all dead now. <laughs> they don't care. That was William Gaines going to the, his, his analyst. He's like, I can make a comic out of this. Yeah. Well, you know, and I admire the, the fact that they were trying to do more adult like, it wasn't just this dumb genre sort of thing. They were trying to do, you know, tell adult stories and, and you know, this is raise a, the, the bar a little bit. You know, whenever you talk but about... nobody wants to read no, analysis no, 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 no. <laughs> Whenever you talk about old comics, someone's always going to talk about the comics code and how terrible the comics code was, mm-hmm. you know, for American comics, and how it, you know, crippled the sales or whatever. But when you look at the sales figures for comics, um, they actually increased after... As the code was being introduced, and even post comics code, you still had uh, romance comics, you had kids comics, you had westerns, you had crime comics. Well, you couldn't call them crime mm-hmm. comics. You right. still had you had mystery comics. Space you couldn't comics. have you could have space comics. Yeah. You know, they had this enormous like every kind of genre of comics were appearing in in the United States, and it was really not until the '60s when they sort of went exclusively superheroes mm-hmm. that sales started to decline. But is but, that is is that a was that really the cause though? I mean, things were changing. Of course, you know, we had movies at that oh, and yeah, television yeah, yeah. at that point, and there was well, more one of the things. One of the and this is this affected Mad Magazine as well. Is uh, a major distributor went bankrupt in the mid fifties, and right. suddenly, instead of having you know you had this entire outlet for the sales of comic books that was just gone, 
Right, yeah, that's true. And uh, it almost sunk Mad Magazine, and they managed to come back yeah. from it. And it sunk a lot of publishers. Just It almost sank Marvel Comics at that point. They wound up having to go with National's distributor, and National would only say, fine, uh, we'll give you 12 slots a month. That's it. Yeah, distribution has yeah. been a problem. That's why uh, when you see the early days of Marvel Comics, they had a set amount of comics, and if they wanted a new comic, they had to cancel an old comic. Yeah, I see. That makes sense. I'd never, I never knew there, about that. There's an interesting... The business aspect, and I mean, you know, that's what I do for, for work is I, I'm in the printing industry. And when you think about, you know, comics, it's like the American comic book is, is or was a delivery system for ads for sea monkeys and bicycles and daisy BB guns. Right. You know, content was, was ancillary. What you want is to sell these ads and get these ads in the hands of 12-year-olds. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, oh, well, I guess we'll have some superheroes in here or whatever, you know. Right, right. That's all gone away, right? You don't have uh, kids. Uh, you don't have the spinner racks and the drugstores. Well, stores. You, you only have one distributor. You only have one distributor now, yeah. I mean, how that's legal, I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, that's restraint trade as far as I'm concerned. But you only have one distributor. Um, you can't buy them in the books, candy stores. You can't buy them in the, the drug stores. Except you can't, Archie. Yeah, well, you can buy Archie because Archie yeah. said, we don't need the comics. Well, no, they didn't say that. Though the comics code, where I was going with this, was that the comics code was uh, the brainchild of uh, Richard Goldwater, Mr. Archie Comics, who says, mm-hmm. I'm going to put EC Comics out of business. Yeah. And that's, that's what he did. And so, you know, I love Archie Comics, but holy cow, those people are terrible, uh, inhuman <laughs> monsters. I mean, seriously, like, what did, they, right. what did they do to Dan DiCarlo, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, they, they hung they it out to dry. Who? Yeah. Well, I mean did that because you... be- I mean of the... Uh when you think about how they took him out of all of their history. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Because you guys did the one comic that where uh, Betty makes an actual reference to him as their, their artist. My favorite artist is Dan DiCarlo, and then they reprinted that. And they're like, oh, my favorite artist is the Archie Comics artist, who shall remain nameless. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, you just want to go down to Mamaroneck, New York, or wherever they are, you know, and just... Uh... <laughs> Well, they, they, they do change things in their reprint. Like the, they do. They change things all uh, the time. Archie wearing a Beatle wig and saying, <laughs> I'm a punk rocker. Right. That's the best. You're just like, what? <laughs> Archie got hit on the head. And he's got that stupid expression on his face, too. <laughs> Have we put mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. been up. I think right. it's been up. I No, I don't think. I, I Like, I posted it on Twitter, but I don't oh, believe right. I've actually used it. Yeah, I don't think we've it. had it on Stupid Comics. Oh, yet. man. Well, and I only have that in the digest, so I need to get the original oh, where right. he says Beetlewig. Yeah, we don't. Because right. uh, it's a reprint, so we don't generally use digest, even though there's some really good stories in the digest. I try to use. You know, if I have to, I'll go to a digest, because I have a lot of Archie digests, mm-hmm. which is pretty yeah. sad. See I think that's, that's something of a Canadian tradition, isn't it? Almost everyone I know has a huge pile of Archie Digest somewhere. I feel like it is. I feel like, you know, when I moved up here, I was um, interested to find out how powerful Archie Comics was, at least in Ontario. Yeah. And it's it's just really Other a part. Yeah. In fact, I started reading them. Like, I read them as a kid, obviously, and I'm, you know, yeah. growing up. But I stayed with my aunt and uncle after college for like a month. And um, my cousin, who was like a little girl at the time, she had tons of them lying around their house. And I was just like, started reading this, like, I love this artwork. Like, I started mm-hmm. trying to emulate the, the 
I don't want to say simplicity, but the sort of uh, aesthetic in those comics. I tried to emulate my own comics because I like them so much. It's very clean and direct. It's like I, I don't really see a lot of people able to pull that off. It's no. like A, B, C, D. Get it done. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's storytelling pared down to its essentials. And I think if you look at, like, um, pick up any, like, adventure superhero-type comic on the racks today, take mm-hmm. out all the word balloons, you can't tell what's going on. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's nicely illustrated, but there's no storytelling there. Of course, now that Archie uses different art styles now. Yeah, Archie is, you know, the great thing about buying Archie comics this, these days, like, we'll go to a show or a store and we'll say, yeah, we're looking for Archie comics, and the immediately the first thing they say is did you know archie is is like a zombie now right did you know archie and the walking dead you know that that's that's a thing now and if i cared about zombies that would be really interesting to me and it's fascinating how how uh uh, savvy the marketing Mm -hmm. department of archie comics is because they they are like no no no, we're gonna do this we're gonna have archie meet the punisher we're gonna have him do this we're gonna do that archie versus Uh, predator exactly done that yep when you consider how long they've managed to stay on the newsstands and just how long they've been around in general, I mean, mm. they have some skeevy business practices that we've already mentioned, but I mean, Cutthroat. it's done them, it's obviously helped because they're still around when many others have fallen by the wayside. And it's not a superhero line, which is uh, doubly. As much as they keep trying to drag those terrible, uh, terrible no, superhero characters. <laughs> pure hurt the powerful. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I'm thinking about like the Jaguar oh. and oh. Uh, Steel Sterling and the Fly yeah. and um, the Hood. Right, yep. The Hang they Man, whatever his name is. They tried to bring those back for the Image Age back in the 90s, I remember. They tried to do their Im- version of Image Comics using them. Oh, yeah. Those are really terrible stuff. comics. You know, we really yeah. haven't um, covered Image, the Image era of comics. We don't own very many. We don't comics. own a lot of those. We've got a few. We have I've, some 90s comics. Yeah. I've got a pile. I've got a box full of, like, potential stupid comics that I pull through every week. I bet that's a pretty big box. <laughs> it's it's like a magazine box, and then there's more, on like, sort of stacked on top of it. So it's more than... Mm-hmm. More than a, a it's a good box. size stack. It's right. Yeah. And so, do you put up new stupid comics every week? Then every week, every week, it's uh, generally up Thursday afternoons. Thursday, Thursday yeah. evenings, afternoon, evening. And we'll take a couple of weeks off in the summer, and we'll take a couple right. of weeks off uh, at Christmas. But generally, it's you know, I don't know, forty eight a year, forty seven a year. We're at number five hundred and twenty seven. I think so. I think this week's was 527. Wow. So that's, that's, a lot of stupid, <laughs> that's a lot of stupid comics. Yeah, that's a lot yeah. of stupid comics. Kind but, of uh, and yeah. it, Do you ever get tired of doing it, or is it just something that, that's endlessly entertaining? Well, I feel like as long as I, I, we keep finding the terrible comics... Uh... Yeah, I wouldn't force it. Like, if, if we honestly didn't... Like, if, if we somehow ran to the end of stupid comics and we couldn't find a single other comic to make fun of we would start back over from the beginning well actually we could, <laughs> because there were a lot that we did at the beginning that we i don't think we gave full attention to like a lot of the early ones i did were like poopery and samplers i, I think it took us a while to context panel find our voice yeah right yeah well, in terms with of, everyone in ter- you know because we've seen some of the other sites that make fun of comics they're generally like 
they'll give you the issue number and the title and who worked on it and like all this the statistical data. And mm-hmm. we're you know, not so much we're like if we're going to show this and talk about it, it's got to be funny. If right. it's not funny, we are not going to talk about it. And yeah. it's it's been hard to sort of uh, halt that impulse to. Um, obsessive compulsive list everything you know it's like no 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 just just the jokes please just just the jokes okay well there's a question then so what makes something good or bad in like in your opinion what what makes for a bad comic or a a good bad comic i guess and the ones that are funny anyway yeah i mean it's it's good to point out that they're not all necessarily bad and Mm -hmm. some are certainly better than others um but they have to be incompetent in some way or uh, baffling. Why was this made? I, I think anytime there is uh, like a typo or like a really serious editorial error that yeah. someone was getting paid to make sure this didn't happen and they let it through. And and we only like we're not going to do like someone's fanzine or their, their uh, home stapled photocopy. We've comics. come close. We have come pretty close though, yes. <laughs> But if it's something, it's something that people have invested their money in. Yeah, I feel, I feel like if it's sold on a newsstand, we have the right to make fun of it. Yeah, right. if it has an ISBN, or yeah. if it's, you know, recent enough. And I mean, this is, like, we came through the 80s, and we came through that big black and white boom in the 80s, and we saw a lot of people mm-hmm. seeing dollar signs in their eyes, like, I can come out with this fake rip-off Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and make a million dollars and try to mm-hmm. cash it in. And I feel those people are fair game. Yeah, because they knew Absolutely. what they were getting. They got greedy. They got greedy, you know, and yeah. uh, they produce terrible comics. Some of them are just incomprehensible. Some of them are, you know, I don't want to. We have a lot of these black and white comics. Yeah, uh, it's something like Skate Man. I would call <laughs> ill-conceived. Skate <laughs> Skate Man, and and it's someone who should know better. Mm-hmm. Apparently, doesn't. Neil Adams. It was right? Neil Adams. Yeah, and he should, he should have, totally have known better. And thinking that a superhero on roller skates, and it's not even okay. That's a I kind of it, a dumb idea. I to call begin it skaterade. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like okay, whatever. It's a superhero skates, whatever. And it's just right. it's dumb. Just beyond that, the execution is dumb. Right. Uh, yes. It's it it doesn't make any sense. And there's isn't there like there's like a black and white comic we have that's also superheroes on roller skates, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that a little while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not very good. Which either. was like a tie into another superhero. Right. You know what what I, what I love about the the sort of the soup the 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 independent superhero comics is this entire generation, more than one generation of artists who are convinced that the only way to do comics is by muscular people in tight outfits beating people up. Well, I think it's because yep. everyone's got their own superhero universe that they want to share with the world. Yeah. And mm, I true. I have some news for these people who have their very own superhero universe. And I hate to be the one to say this, but probably no one wants to read about your original superhero universe. Nobody cares. We're full up with superhero We're universes. good. Thank you. We are still using characters created in the 30s. Yeah, mm-hmm. we haven't run out of those characters. We're still burning <laughs> through those characters. And and, and like Marvel and DC seem to like have no end of mining the depths of obscure heroes that they have. Mm-hmm. It's true. And they they keep they keep like here's another Batman movie coming down the pike, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I just hope that they cover his origin next time because I don't know how he started. Becoming how exactly Batman. did Batman become Batman? Because I've only seen that in movies like eight, nineteen. Every times. Batman movie. 
You know, the most yeah. successful iteration of Batman, the 1966 Batman television series... Never explains it. Never bothered with that. I don't think he ever mentions his parents. They didn't like. care. It's not important. We don't oh care. God. You're right. I never I'm right, that. aren't I? Yeah, you are. They never explained who Batman was. They're just like, yeah, he's this rich guy who like puts on a bat suit and... He's Batman. What more do you need, man? Be Batman. Up. Yeah. That's Why is it. he Batman? Oh. Why wouldn't he be Batman? Would he exactly. be Batman? <laughs> That's why, oh, and, and I, I might point out too that back in the mm-hmm. '60s, when you know uh, Supergirl is d- hanging out with Comet the Superhorse, who is actually a hunky dude. He's a mm-hmm. centaur. He's a centaur who's hunky. Uh, you know, when when Beppo the space mon- the super monkey was doing stuff, and the mm-hmm. Legion of Super Pets was roaming. Those comics sold in the millions mm-hmm. with an M. The millions. Jesus. Yeah. And these days, there ain't nothing selling in the millions. Well, I'm sorry. and again, it's the. There's many factors playing. There's many that. factors. It was like the but distribution. The, the number one factor is that these comics were stupid, and they were made for... They for, were fun to read, and they, they were made were for children. Fun to read. They were made for children, and they sold mm-hmm. like hotcakes. Yep. These days, comic books are pompous and overbearing, and they're made for uh, Arrested Development grown-ups, and they sell in the thousands. Yeah. Do the math. Because <laughs> I, I got to say, um, one, of, one of the things, uh, I don't know how you guys feel, but... I remember the, the, the 80s, you had the black and white boom, and then when that died off and you had the comic shops, Marvel and DC moved in, and yeah. you had a big superhero boom. And I remember by the mid-80s, like this is why I kind of think like it, it's, it's me laughing at other people's misfortune, but I remember in those days, Archie wasn't even considered a comic book by the comic exactly. book press. Exactly, yeah. Right, and yeah. It, yeah and nowadays you look those little like um the little Archie Digest I think they have print runs of like 175,000 some of those do really I, well yeah 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 cuz cuz a marvel book will have a print run nowadays I think it's like 85,000 yeah that would be great those are great numbers for a marvel comic these days mm, yeah, yeah if, they, they if they could get yeah close to 100,000 yeah it is amazing to go into a comic book store and you go up to the register with some beat-up Betty and Veronica from 1967, and the look they give you, they're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. are you really buying this? Well, it's like when we went to, we were in some antique mall buying a monkey's record, and the grandma behind the counter is like, are you buying this for the music or just to make fun of it? We're like, really? It's the monkeys, lady, jeez. Of all the things to make fun of, the monkeys is not one of them. Yeah, man, they have some real talent, no, the man. monkeys. I'm not going to hear a word against the monkeys. And we did. Yeah, we did. We we several monkeys. several times we hear words against. The and um, antique mall isn't open anymore, so. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, did you guys also do uh, found sound? You also did, did some like audio work as well. We used to do for um, it, how many years did we do that? It was a few years. It was at least five. I'm yeah, at least sure. five or six years. A good long time. And it would just be like here's some crazy songs off of uh, you know dig some stuff out of our record collection. Mm-hmm. It was it was really similar to stupid comics and that we had all this funny stuff that you know we wanted to share novelty records and themes from obscure Japanese cartoons and things like that and that was actually that that became kind of a hassle so we quit doing it oh, okay is it still up can people still find that or did you just take it down we we took it down we actually um, because I wasn't sure about the legal right. ramifications of having uh, audio files like songs. I, we would take it down, like whenever we we'd put leave a it new up one for up, a week, we'd yeah. leave it up, and then we take it down for the new Swap one. Swap it out for next week. So yeah, it, the, there's no lasting record of found sound, unfortunately. But uh, well, well, what's what we're doing now is we're doing a series of podcasts, 
Right. And oh, awesome. Our our goal is to use the podcast. Theoretically, we were saying it was going to be four times a year, and it's working out to be about twice a year. Yeah, if that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to play a lot of the music that we used to do on Found Sound. And okay. it, instead of it being two songs a week, it's going to be eighteen songs every couple of months. You know. And we've got we've done four. How many podcasts? Three podcasts so far. Oh, two or three. Not two or three. We did we did um, one about with like crazy superhero music, and we did one uh, with video game type music. Oh yeah. And we actually recorded some songs about video games, and uh, you know, like sort of eighties, seventies, and eighties era video games. Right. Yes. And uh, recorded some audio in in a great arcade in New Hampshire called the Fun Spot. That's great. We interviewed okay. some people talking about. We interviewed Shane playing Moon Patrol, which yeah. is her favorite video game. Yes, Moon what Patrol a- was awesome. I blew many quarters on that back in the day. Yeah, me too. Uh, that I remember Moon Galaga. Patrol. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, Galaga, of course. Yep. Happy. Uh, so, are, so what's your uh, so what's the podcast called then for people that are looking for it? Oh, it's called Mr. Kitty's Lo-Fi Landfill. And Mr. Right, Kitty's Lo-Fi Landfill. It's okay. a Lo-Fi Landfill, and it reflects the state of our audio recording equipment okay. in our turntable, which is not the greatest turntable. It's, you know, I need um, to get a new needle for that oh, thing, yeah. actually, I think. Anyway, um, um, right now, uh, I put the first show is up on YouTube with some, mm-hmm. some video attached to it, and there's some Archie songs and, uh, you know, the Hardy Boys and cartoon music, right. stuff like that. And uh, the Third one is up. You can access it through Mr. Kitty. I don't mm-hmm. believe we don't have like we're not like listed on iTunes or anything like that. No. So. Oh, okay. It's just on the website. I guess we need to do that. Yeah, I, I, I haven't <laughs> had time to look into that. We've been busy. We got day jobs. You know, it's like we can't spend all day doing this. Yeah, and up mm. until recently, I was doing a weekly web comic, and that took so much of my free time that I had little time for anything else. It's but, a lot of okay. yeah, it is. Yeah, I guess so that's what, a good segue. <laughs> yeah, it probably is a good segue to your like original comics. So, what comics do you guys do then, or what web comics have you been doing, Shane? Uh, well, the one I just finished was called "The Element of Surprise," and it was um, sort of a, a gay themed romance uh, crime story, crime drama kind of story, and that okay, had cool. uh, three volumes. Uh, mm-hmm. You're into that sort of thing, and uh, like I said, I just finished that, and I also. I, I I have been doing, and I discontinued it for a while, but I want to pick it up again, another one called Georgie Girls, mm-hmm. which is uh, sort of making fun of fandom and um, pointing out the little foibles of, of the nerd set. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly, of... mostly just quoting people off Twitter directly. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I've only been the inspiration for two of those. Right. Maybe more Maybe. more than I'm two. I'm not sure. I would have to check my records. <laughs> right. Okay. And how about you, Dave? What web comics have you been doing? Well, when we first started Mr. Kitty, I was um, trying to finish a, a tr- sort of a traditional comic I was doing called The Ozone Commandos Go to Hell. Okay. Which, uh, this this dates it's it dates from the 80s and it was a fan comic that I was doing about me and my friends some of whom mm-hmm. cos- cosplayed, even though we didn't call it cosplaying back then, cosplayed as Japanese cartoon characters. So the right. story was, we're in some crazy future battling an evil totalitarian government flying around in a giant space blimp. 
that's reasonable. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And like <laughs> referencing Japanese cartoons like crazy because it's a nerd fan nerd comic. Of course. Of so course. I would I started to do uh, the Ozone Commandos Go to Hell. Actually, there's a mm-hmm. live action movie based on the Ozone Commandos that I'm in mm-hmm. that we shot the first part of. And I don't okay. believe Matt's ever going to finish the second part because we're all like 50. It, it was 20 years ago. <laughs> it was 20 years ago. Yeah. But it's a great, it's up on the Cornpone Flicks website, uh, cornponeflix.org. And I highly okay. recommend you watch it because it's. Is that abs- website still up? Yeah, it's still up. Okay. Still up. Got saved. Last minute. Still up. Anyway, it's got a giant oh. robot Jesus in it. But we'll get to that later. Okay. <laughs> so um, I st- was doing, I was in the middle of doing this, this 100 page Ozone Commandos uh, Go to Hell. And I'm like, well, I got to finish this thing. So I'll put it up on, on MrKitty.org, and that'll give me impetus to finish this comic, to finally finish it. So, like, uh, was I putting up a page a week? Yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that, you know. And it gave me, like, having, knowing that it, it had to go up, and it, there was going to be at least some sort of audience looking at these pages, and I could say, hey, here's the page. That sort of gave me uh, momentum to finish it. So I finished mm-hmm. that. I did a comic called Jesus Christ Conquers the Martians. Which was kind of a clip art, uh, right. kind of strip, which mm-hmm. is about Jesus Christ conquering the Martians, and it, it the characters are all traced characters from various Leiji Matsumoto manga and anime. So there are Dangard Ace characters in there, Captain Harlock mm-hmm. characters in there. Mostly it's those two, Dangard right. Ace and Captain Harlock. Anyway, and Dangard then I, Ace and Captain Harlock are awesome. So yeah. of course, Dangard Ace does not get the love I think it needs. Because no, it it's a not. really weird show. <laughs> it, it was an odd show, but it was actually pretty nifty. I mean, it was it was unique. Um, back when I was a kid, I had a tape of the first couple episodes, and I watched it over and over again. And the thing that shocked me was it took forever before they Dangard Ace even appears in the exactly, series. Exactly, right? Right? He doesn't show up in the manga. The manga for Dangard Ace, the robot Dangard Ace shows up on the last page. You're kidding. No, huh. no kidding. Because the the story is really like the robot is Ansley. It's really like they discovered this thirteenth planet or whatever, and yeah. there's a, a race between two governments trying to get to that planet first. And the animation has, um, geez, who's that character design that worked on Rosa Versailles? Oh, Shingo Araki. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Araki. Yeah. It's got Shingo Araki character designs, which are just fantastic. It's got like the bad guys, this dreamy blonde guy. There's a couple of space. Yep goddesses in there they throw in there it it really actually looks really good because i like i like the way shingo araki looks uh on the matsumoto characters and he worked on eternal orbit ssx too which is coming out on dvd from discotech uh later this year i think yes i heard that that would be awesome really excited about that that's kind of the pilot film on it too which i've never seen in my life so uh, wow obviously you're a big old school anime fan i'm a big old school Um, so what's your ba- what's your favorite old school anime then besides obviously Dangard Ace? I'd have to say Space Battleship Yamato. Mhm. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Star Blazers is is uh, I mean Star Blazers is really like I saw this show called Prince Planet when I was really small, mm. and it turned me into an anime nerd for life. And uh, I saw Speed Racer like everyone yeah, else. Yeah, everyone saw Speed six, Racer, but that's you know. that's not going to convert anyone. No, 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 no. <laughs> but when I was ten, maybe just smoking. Yeah. Well, sure. You know, when I was ten. Um, Actually, it would be Eighth Man that would make you smoke. Because Eighth oh, Man got right. his energy through cigarettes, right? Yes, yes, he did. Yeah, yeah he kids. did. Like all Japanese Like men all Japanese men, he gets his energy through <laughs> cigarettes. You want to hear yeah. the story about the guy who sang the Japanese Eighth Man theme song? Sure. You know what he did? He killed his what? girlfriend, 
He killed his girlfriend, put her in the trunk of his car, and drove around Tokyo for a week until they caught him. And that's why you couldn't buy the theme song to Eighth Man for years and years and years. Nobody wants to hear it. Because nobody wants to hear it. Yeah, it's totally for real. Okay, then. There you go. That's, that's, that's my eighth answer. I can't even think of the singer's name. No, that's just you, you don't need to. It's okay. <laughs> this is our... Anyway, anyway, so so when I was in elementary school, uh, Star Blazers came on TV, and I was like, uh, I, I came home, I went to school on Tuesday, and everybody's like, oh, you have to watch this show about this. It's this battleship in space. It's so awesome. It's like Star Wars. And I'm like, how good can this be? Really? Right. And I yeah. went... You know, home the next day, and I watched it. I'm like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing in my life. And mm-hmm. um, for the rest of my life, I've been like, well, I gotta find out more about this show. Yeah. Yep. And I been... can see that. Yeah. So, how about you, Shane? Are you also an anime fan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. Star Blazers was also my gateway anime. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched. Uh, you know, again, I watched Battle of the Planets and Speed Racer. Of course. That, obviously, and I really liked them, but you know, they they are pretty dumb. I don't think I was gonna become fanatical over that. But yeah, I, I watched Star Blazers, and um, mm-hmm. I can guarantee you, I was the only person in my school watching Star Blazers because I am <laughs> slightly older than Dave. <laughs> I was, right. I believe I was in ninth grade at the time. People, yeah, ninth was, grade is not a good time to tell people. I wasn't going to come running into the schoolhouse. Yay! <laughs> and I probably did though, because I'm pretty sure. Again, I think my friends found me pretty annoying. Talking about cartoons in the ninth grade is not a good way. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm. I had friends actually. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but but you were wandering around with copies of you know porn comics. Apparently that well, that was okay. Yeah, actually that works. <laughs> I believe can, that. Definitely made friends showing pornography to teenage boys. When you show up in, in high school with some manga that may be a little more adult than what Americans are used to, mm-hmm. suddenly they're like, oh, well, I see why now the appeal of these crazy yeah. Asian cartoons. Right. <laughs> yep. I totally believe that. But yeah, that- you didn't get involved, Shane, you didn't get involved in... Uh, like organized yeah, any sort of organized anime fandom until uh, no, I, I didn't even meet any other fans of anime at all until college, and that was my right. first time that I actually met other people who enjoyed Japanese animation or animation at all, really, because most of my friends before then, you know, they mm-hmm. they might have been a little nerdy, but they weren't like, you know, not interested in the same thing. You had to work was. really hard to get into Japanese cartoons in the eighties. Oh, it was yeah. you had to be. It was work, and I remember yeah, yeah. when Star Blazers started airing, uh, I saw a broadcast where mm-hmm. uh, someone out in uh, California had brought in his huge collection of uh, Yamato books. Well, it was August Ragone. It was August Ragone, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the funny thing is, I remembered seeing that segment for years, but I didn't remember him. I just remembered all these books, all these mangas, like <laughs> seeing the, the, the original like Leiji Matsumoto art for the first time and thinking. This is incredible, and I have to find out more about this because that is so much cooler looking than the cartoon. And I mean, you know, the cartoon's cool looking, but mm. the, the Matsumoto art is is something else. The cartoon has that 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 cleaned up, yeah, sort of slicked an anime, out. You know. And Matsumoto is such an idiosyncratic yeah. uh, pen line. His brush line mm. is uh, distinctive. Yeah. It looked wild, like yeah. you know, like Derek Wildstar just looked. First of all, he looked younger, but he also looked like. A little crazier, <laughs> like he looked kind of unhinged in yeah. his artwork. Yeah. Yes. Just, yeah, just definitely. the best. Yeah. 
But actually, that's how how Shane and I met. We were both in an anime fan. Uh, it was amateur- more for, for artists. Well, it was it was yeah, it was an amateur press association that was for right. artists that were cartoonists that were working in the anime manga style. Hmm. And we were both in that. And I gave her a call one day and said, "Hey, how's it going?" You know. Hmm. And that was um, yep. the start of it all. That was a long time oh, ago. Wow. A while back. Wow, so animation brought you together. Animation, anime brought you together. Huh, we're, we're, we're the one success story. <laughs> the only. <laughs> we're it. All other fan couples are doomed. <laughs> okay, I, I can definitely see that. I don't think um, so. And, and you managed to get, and Shane, you managed to convince him to come up to Canada. How did you corrupt this good American boy and turn him into a Canadian? Have you been to America lately? Well, okay, <laughs> lately, yeah. But it sounds like no. he's been here for a while. I, I'm kidding, actually. It's, it was really a matter of um, immigration is easier here. Well, I had lived my whole life in Atlanta. Right. Yeah, I'd lived mm-hmm. in both the United States and Canada, so you know it didn't really matter to me. But, yeah, Dave had only really lived in Georgia. I was like, it is time, you know, time to go somewhere else. And it is just way easier to to move to Canada than to uh, the well, U.S. Yeah, I mean, even back then, it wasn't it wasn't it, was, it wasn't it, easy. It's, it's tougher, yeah. And I wouldn't even think to attempt it right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're practically having to put up barricades at the borders to keep people from coming up at this point. Well, you know, it was interesting. We went, uh, we drove down to Rochester last week, and and they were like, "Hey, what's going on? Come on in." They didn't care. Oh, yeah. No, actually, yeah, it was a very pleasant, you know, well, the people are as pleasant as they ever were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, things get weird, but, you know, the people are the same. I don't think they care about Canadians. No. Mm, Not really, no. (laughs) Overall, Americans are awesome. Um, Anyway, so, uh, so, Dave, so did you end up starting the local, like, Georgia Anime Club then? I did. I, I, um, this was back when I was in high school. I was going to, following my, my, my brother was a little older, we started going to comic book conventions, and I was sort of mm-hmm. tagging along, and he went to a couple of local, uh, like the SCA was having meetings, the Doctor Who Club was having meetings, and I was tagging along, and I was like, does anyone in this room like Japanese cartoons as much as I do? Hello, raise your hand, you know. And I mm-hmm. got together with a couple of guys who were older than I was, and we started... There was a national anime club called the CFO, the Cartoon Fantasy Organization. This is how yep. bad it was. You had to join a club called the Cartoon Fantasy Organization <laughs> right, to get yeah. anime. Oh. Yep. So anyway, uh, we started a, a local chapter of the CFO in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and we did that until uh, 1988, We did not name ourselves after spaceships like some other anime clubs that I was also a member of. But anyway, uh, uh, we started mm-hmm. that club, and then we started another club called Anime X in 1988, and that lasted mm-hmm. until the year 2000, actually. And then in 1995 was our first AWA, and that was a lot of right. the same sort of people. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. still going. Wow. So, that, 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 that's fantastic. Go. So how many people did you have coming out, like, at your peak? What, for the club? Yeah, for the club, yeah. Oh, I don't believe we ever got more than 40, 50 people showing up at any one time. We never had huge meet. No, huge it would rooms be, I remember going meetings. to a few, and it, it, it seemed like they filled the library. Yeah, it was like library meeting rooms for the the, uh, the anime clubs. Hmm. But the convention... is good. Yeah, it's not bad. It's like some of the, the college, some of the university clubs will get hundreds of people. Mm, but yeah. you've kind of got a captive audience. You've got an auditorium you can use, that kind of thing. 
But AWA right now does, I think we did 23,000 people last year. Wow. Attendance-wise. It's one of the top ten anime conventions in the, in the country. Attendance seems to be going up for most Attendance always goes up. And mm-hmm. I, every year I'm like, there is no way we're going to do more people than this. This right. has got to be the peak. And every year it uh, tops itself. So I quit predicting. I, I don't make predictions. Right. <laughs> so why do you think it keeps going up? What's actually driving the numbers? Um, part of it is because, well, uh, Sailor Moon and Pokemon mm-hmm. hit America like a bomb. And uh, yeah. also Canada in terms of Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon is ridiculously popular in Canada. Yes, it was. It's mm-hmm. just uh, still, It's still a thing, you know? And I think that attracted a bunch of people into anime that were not previously, like previously being like, well, this Robotech thing, or it was this strictly male sort of uh, role-playing game, sci-fi nerd kind of thing. And you bring in a Pokemon, which is going to get younger people, and Sailor Moon, which is going to get, you know, girls and women into the the fandom. Mm -hmm. Suddenly you've opened it up to a whole new group of people who are going to grow up with it, who are going to stay with it, uh, well, especially Pokemon, because the yeah. kids who who yeah. played the first Pokemon games, like they're still playing Pokemon games. Like, yeah, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're yeah, true. You know, they might not keep up with the TV show, but um, they're still making a TV show. I think video games, in and of itself, became much more of a popular culture. It became part of youth yeah, culture. I, I think um, just nerd culture in general yeah, well, uh, became really huge. It's ridiculous. It's like if if I had known when I was a teenager that. Everything was gonna. Everything I liked as a twelve that I got mocked for liking as a twelve-year-old was suddenly going to be the most important thing in the world to everybody. I would not have believed you. I just (laughs) wouldn't have believed you. Yeah, I can see that. I I have to wonder though. This is a phenomenon I've been noticing. I've seen this mostly online and such. But I know with uh, the the, a lot of uh, cosplayers come to, of course, anime conventions. That's become a huge part of it. Yeah. But one of the things I've noticed about them is is that I've seen a lot of interviews where they ask them, you know, like, so your cosplaying is like, you know, Batgirl or something like that. Do you read Batgirl comics? No. Okay. Yeah, they, yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, and, and you see a lot of that where the cosplayers, like, they, they, they cosplay as these characters, but they've never actually read the comics or watched the show or anything like that. There's a, a friend of mine who's an artist, and she's been doing artwork of Spider-Gwen, which like, is yeah, I've heard of Spider-Gwen. Gwen Stacy as spider girl or whatever i don't know yeah basically yeah they brought gwen Gwen stacy became spider-man instead of peter parker i I guess that's what happened and i'm asking her so what is the story with spider gwen and she's like i don't know well especially like if you're if you're an artist and you're selling art in artist alley exactly yeah you have to draw what people want i think part of it is that certainly with a character like batgirl you Mm. don't need to have ever name your number one favorite batgirl story I defy you to name your number one. one. There she ain't Supergirl one. Supergirl make Batman and Superman <laughs> right. have a flat tire. That's not really them, though. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. I just saw the cover. I haven't read the comic. Oh yet. well, I spoiled the, it. That though. comic happens to be lying around right now. So yeah, we've got we've got. There's a '60s comic where Bat, the Batgirl Supergirl plot, where they they make they take away Batman and Superman's powers, and Batman and Superman are like bums, and they're having to pump up the flat tire in the Batmobile. <laughs> And Supergirl and Batgirl are like, ha ha, our plan worked. 
Okay, that sounds like a stupid comic. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's on it's on the the rotation. The, yeah. The problem with those '60s DC superhero comics is that there's so many of them that are really funny. That uh, it, mm. those are the best. Yeah, they are really yeah. yeah. Seriously, easy. seriously, the comics are not. I've made fun of a lot of Lois Lane comics, but those Lois Lane comics by Kurt Schaffenberger are some of the finest comic books. Uh, certainly in the, the Silver Age. I mean, it's, it's a good example of something that, you know, it's stupid, but it's also a really good comic. That guy is a tremendous, first off, he's a tremendous draftsman. He's a fantastic artist. He's a really good artist. Uh, and the stories are like, here's Lois Lane going out and doing stuff, and maybe Superman's in it, maybe he's not. Yeah, it's just about mm. Lois Lane. You know, and she's out there doing it for herself, you know? Which I, I, she's I, a strong independent woman. She's a strong independent woman who just wants to hook uh, hook Superman and to get married. <laughs> who wouldn't want that? <laughs> obsessed with marriage, like all women. No, where was well, I going with 50s. this? I was talking about Batgirl, and that Batgirl is right. such a great character in and of herself. Yeah, she's iconic. She's iconic. Like people you know, know what true. she looks like. People, you know, hey, it's Batgirl. You know, which is a good. I mean, that's the mark of a good character. Mm. I mean, like you look at Richie Rich, right? You don't need to yeah. know anything about Richie Rich to know, hey, it's Richie Rich or Astro Boy. Yeah. Or hell, Captain Harlock. True. I mean, yeah. look at Captain... Just awesome. In fact, I highly recommend people not actually learn the stories behind Captain Harlock. Because the story you make in your head is going to be so much cooler than what Captain Harlock actually does. <laughs> and that's not actually true, because Captain Harlock is uh, pretty awesome stuff. I was well. Okay, it depends which version, because there's so many versions of Harlock. Well, exactly, right? You know, he lets people think that he's carrying a sword, but it's really a gun, and then he shoots. <laughs> I love that. Like everybody is surprised. <laughs> you shot you know? me. It's like, are you the last guy in outer space that doesn't know this is actually a Do you gun? See the trigger. There is a trigger on this. <laughs> yeah. What? I didn't know you were going to shoot me. That hurt, man. <laughs> That's a really impractical fencing foil. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a he's got a, a a spaceship with a switchblade on the front of it. I mean, beat that, right? Come on, that's true. Well, the wave motion gun. Could yeah, the, like the wave motion gun, right? I mean, come on, beat that. Yep. Yeah, that's true. I feel like that, like like the Yamato is itself an iconic character, right? But mm. what I'm what I'm trying to say about like cosplay is, you know, you're you're enjoying wearing a costume. Well, you like how it mm-hmm. you like how it looks yeah. looks. Right. Not going to be one of those guys that that's you don't know who Power Girl is, so you shouldn't be dressing up like Power Girl. I just mm-hmm. I question any man, or at least any heterosexual man, I should say, who doesn't want women dressing up as Power Girl. Who is going to sit there and complain about? Why that? would you? That's true. That. Yeah, like like mm. oh my, you know, at the bottom of that is I don't want girls in my private little club. Well, I don't want girls right. in my dude clubhouse. The horse has long ago left that bar. And this is what I was getting with Sailor Moon, is that when they started publishing Sailor Moon comics, that mm-hmm. led manga to be a thing in America, which got girls reading comics again, which yep. was not a thing that was happening. Yeah, that, that definitely yep. brought girls into comic stores, because that wasn't happening That was before. not happening. And I, I want to say, actually, too, I think the Marvel movies have yep. brought a lot of girls into reading comics because they want to find out more about the characters in the movies who are, you know... You would and, think that, but the, from what I know, Marvel's sales haven't been affected by the movies at all. Yeah. They've been like kind of sales flat. Well, I, I think it gets, flat. it gets girls in the stores and right. then girls buy other things. Well, but then they say, they maybe. read like a couple of the comics and go, oh, and it's like, oh, well, maybe there's a manga here. <laughs> Captain America is a Nazi now? I don't think I'm going to read <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. And I never got into reading Marvel for the very reason that I can't figure out what's going on. You pick yeah. up an issue of a Marvel comic, and it's like, 
just uh, mountains yeah. of text with little notes that say "see last ish" or "see issue one hundred and twenty-three of Smile Avengers." Smile and stand. Yeah, it's like so. I have to cross-reference what I've just bought with another completely different title that was published two months mm-hmm. ago, and I there is no way I'm doing that. I'm just going to buy the Flash. Yep, <laughs> I think that's probably what's more or less killed Marvel Comics is their constant every two or three months they have to have a crossover or you have to buy five other comics to understand the story that you're reading. It's just no wonder they're dying. Yeah, I feel like this is the the real stupidity in comics, but it's hard to make fun of that in, you know, 1,500 words on a Thursday morning, you know. It's hard to boil that down. Yeah, but you guys did. Well, we, you know, yeah. But we'd have to do it visually. Yeah. It's hard to do it visually. Well, there's the uh, one of two of the two of like the stupid comics reviews you guys did that really stick. I think are the one that you did on when stupid comics ruled the world. Yeah, which yeah, I was happy about, to do. Yeah, it it talked about this and the other one that I think sticks because it really explains a lot of the '80s was when you did the uh, how to publish comics the Solson way. Oh God, that that was pretty special. Yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Oh man, you know you know what he's doing now, right, Gary no. Solson? Or Gary Brodsky, he is doing these pickup artist videos. That's right. Yeah, he's a total sleazebag. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, just yeah. whatever he can make money. Get yeah. rich quick. Yeah. Uh, increase your word power. You know, whatever. Oh, oh what a terrible guy. He took so much money from people. And remember, we had those other comics that we did that actually has a little story about how they got scammed by the Solson. protectors. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They have a little text <laughs> piece margin. running. On the top of each page going, telling the story of how they published the comic and how they gave it to Solson to publish. And Solson took the comic, printed it, distributed it, sold it, and kept all the money. And the okay. protectors are like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait. And like, you know, okay, they were they were stupid, but, you know, they're like 19-year-olds trying to publish their yeah, own comic. I, I don't think... I don't know how carefully they read the contract. I don't believe they did. But I mean, he was going after people like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a vulture. Yeah. And this is—it's kind of like um, vanity press. You may, you may press. have to take this part out because it'll probably get us all sued. <laughs> I welcome that guy. Sleep. Bring it on, dude. <laughs> oh, I'll start. I'll do a Kickstarter to pay our legal fees. We'll get a million zillion dollars. <laughs> Everybody, no, we're, we're up in Canada. You'll be fine. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. That's another benefit of living in Canada. <laughs> We can say whatever. Yes, I'm a Canadian lawyer, so it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's no. not worth it. No, I, I think that, that that certainly that Gary Brodsky, the, the Solson, was just this. It was it boiled down the black and white boom in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, he was basically saying it doesn't matter what what like text and art is ancillary. Just get it. Put something a, stupid a on the cover. Issue. Comic yeah. stores will buy a first issue of anything, and they'll buy a lot of copies of a first issue of anything because they don't know what the next Ninja Turtles would be, or they didn't back then. Exactly. Yeah. And so they were just buying. Oh, we did. I did. I did like a terrible. I was part of a crew of people in high school. We did a terrible black and white independent comic, and actually got it. Like we we cajoled some quick printer to print a hundred copies of it, and we actually got it into some comic stores. And we made thirty whole dollars, I think. And it was just the worst comics in the world. But you know, it's in print, right? You're like, oh, we got our comic in print, and that's all you really care about at that age. Yeah. You know, it's getting your comic in print. Maybe I should make fun of that just to to be fair. Yeah, you could. Actually, one of the one of the guys involved 
with that comic that I was involved with was named Randy Queen, and he went on to do sort of a bad girl comic called Dark Child, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's actually, uh, he was always the best artist of the bunch, and he was like, yep, I'm going to draw comics, and that's what he did. Okay. And, you know, good for him. I would, I, you know, I don't know what happens in that comic. I, I assume it involves boobs. But, um, there you go, dude. More power to you. Wow. Because that's, that's funny, too, because that kind of attitude from the uh, black and white boom surfaced again by the mid-90s, I think. Yeah. Um, Certainly there, with image, yeah. It, it, was not, it was less a, of a self-publishing boom and more of a, yeah, an image. This sort of everything had to be glossy and we'll put multiple covers out and everyone will have yeah. to buy multiple issues of it. And I knew is, people who did do that, mm, yeah. who got suckered into that, and they were really angry when they realized that they had wasted their money, mm-hmm. thinking that these were collectible. Oh, God. And it's the same deal of people thinking, oh, this is going to be worth a lot of money because... You know, Ninja Turtles was worth a lot of money, or in the 90s it was, I guess, Spawn. Spawn was worth a lot of money. And it's like, well, you you can only do that if you don't know that it's going to be worth a lot. That's why it's valuable. I think it's scarcity, yeah. Yeah, scarcity has a lot to do with it. I mean, that's the thing about 40s comics is that most of them were pulped. Most of them were thrown yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, they were the disposable. reason my father made the decision as an adult to buy the comics he read as a kid is because his mom threw them out when he was a kid. Which, you know, everyone's parents did that. Yep. Because why would you keep it? It's trash. You read it, so... Parents are cruel. Yeah, well... <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I want to say yes, but at the same time, a lot of those comics were actual repulsive nonsense. <laughs> you know? Trash. That? They are trash. Some of them were literal trash. You know, like you watch the TV show Hoarders, and um, mm-hmm. I think the one thing we didn't see on that show was a comic book hoarder. Well, you can't really hoard comics. Oh, uh, you can but, I mean, you put them in a box. If you if you go to the trouble of putting that's them in a true, box, that's true. it's not really hoarding. The modern comic book if collector. Coll- it's on the yeah. floor collecting maggots. Uh, you have, <laughs> what I what I what I love about you can't comic walk books because of all the Ford Fairlane comics on your floor. <laughs> you slip and fall and you hit your head. No, it's it's really like we've all been 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 trained to like you have to put it in a bag. You got to put it aboard. You got to put it in a box. You've got to. Uh, you know, put it numerically. We've all been like trained to become these obsessive compulsive people. It's fascinating, right? right? I think I actually am a little. Well, I think I am too. I think I was too. But maybe it just attracts those kinds of people. Oh, it probably does. I think so. And you know, you can see this in the, in the the stores. Like we have to have a checklist of every comic Iron Man is in, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like mm. it's weird obsessive. And this is it's really derailed comics in America because the rest of the world comic books are these disposable entertainment items. And sometimes you get characters that last, and sometimes you just like, yep, here's here's um, a gigantic pile of weekly manga, and we're going to turn it into toilet paper now, because it's a it's a publication. It's it's like the newspaper. You you read it and you get rid of it. Yeah, and most other places too have the advantage that they'll do proper collections, like Japan does. It, exactly. Does yeah. It. So mm. you don't run into that problem of having to track down issue one hundred and five to find out who the hell's the guy in the tie. Because it's all readily available. You know, and that's actually what I believe is the reason that culture, the artistic culture of comics itself is higher in Europe and Japan, is that artists have the opportunity to see work spanning generations. 
Like, you can go to the store and buy comics from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And here it's like, well, you might get a collection here, a collection there. And then it's all this tremendous work. Unless you worked for EC Comics, those have been reprinted over and over again. Those are still in print. But everything else, like, unless your name is Carl Barks or Jack Kirby... Is you're not going to get it because things are much different now. I think even with Jack Kirby, I don't know that you're going to get it. There's a lot of Kirby's work. They do a lot of picking and choosing. Or Dan DiCarlo, right? It's like only just now you're able to get a good collection of Dan DiCarlo's work. Very recently. Yeah. Mm. Otherwise, you could just collect the digest. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of those guys too, like Kirby and DiCarlo, did a. It, it's hard to believe, like, they worked back in, like, the, the 40s. They've been doing comics forever, and they worked for companies that, doing books that are just gone. Yeah. Yeah, like, like, like it, you can't get the artwork, you can't get the stats, the plates yeah. are gone. You might, you know, you'd have to, if you want to reprint it, you've got to shoot from the actual printed comic. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a pain, because we do it's that It's better every than week. nothing. Yeah, it's better than nothing. I kind of like it. I kind of like the reprints where they, they actually... They re, they get they they shoot from the actual printed comics, so you get, you know, the grain of the paper and the dot screen and everything. I, I actually like that better than where they they shoot from the, the line art. Yeah, yeah it, I don't mind that, but you be you're very conscious when you're reading like original line art. You're conscious that, you know. Yeah. I want I want this one or the other. Yeah, yeah, I want like either you shoot from the original art and I can see like the whiteout and where they scraped mm-hmm. over or they pasted up. I oh, love yeah. that. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's, there's some of the other, uh, when you go to, say, like the Silver Age, there was a lot of guys that, that were popular that I've seen reprints nowadays that they did in black and white that look a whole lot better. Like, DC had a bunch of guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, like the, the Gil Kane, right? Well, yeah, Gil, Gil Kane was one. Um, shoot, there was the guy who did a bunch of the earliest uh, Teen Titans. I can't remember his name. Kadri, oh. Nick Kadri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ramona but, Fredon. Yeah. And when they colored it, because not because the colors sucked, but because of the reproduction. Oh, the printing was terrible, the yeah. Right. Yeah. But you see them in black and white, and you're like, these guys were brilliant. You know. Oh, you look at a, a Charlton comic, and you think, wow, I wonder what this looked like before they, they ran it through their cereal box press. <laughs> Probably not that mm. much better. Well, that's true. <laughs> Maybe for the Steve Ditko I feel like I feel like it, when we talk about stupid comics, if it has the words Charlton on the cover... It's probably going to be a stupid comic. He, Dave has actually kind of gotten on my case for buying <laughs> Charlton Romance because oh. they're terrible. They're the worst. They're uniformly terrible. They are really terrible. And they're really, like, I, I do make fun of them a lot on stupid comics because it's super easy. Well, they had that, that, that one story about the boss wants the girl to lose weight. And that was just, like, reprehensible. It was That was hateful. Right? It was hateful, and it was also... This is just one lawsuit. It's just one big lawsuit in the making. <laughs> and then the worst part, the the cherry on that particular cake, uh, I bought a DC romance comic, and it. I realized that the Charlton comic had just swiped it panel for panel, but the story wasn't as bad. The story in the DC comic was not nearly as uh, hateful as the one in the Charlton comic. So they rewrote it, but they just swiped, like, half the panels. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. That was fascinating, finding that, too. That was tremendous. It's like, uh, you guys are even sleazier than I thought yeah, you were, like, Charlton. Thank <laughs> you. How can we make this story You have worse? lowered the bar. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, I feel like having looked at so many bad comics, it kind of makes mm-hmm. me, first off, appreciate the good comics more. 
but it makes me appreciate how much work went into making even the worst comic. Yeah, yeah. Like just so much labor, and you yeah. know, drawing our own comics. I think uh, certainly is like, oh yeah, so we do have to tell a story here, and maybe that comic I was making fun of, I understand what they were up against now. You know. Yeah, I. I, I well, does, yeah. Sorry, I was just gonna say. So, does that make you reluctant sometimes? Do you look at a comic and go? You know, this is not very good, but at the same time, you know, someone really put their heart and soul into this. Yes. You feel guilty? Definitely. There are comics that I will not make fun of. A lot of the 80s comics we do kind of feel like the self-published comics. I think this week, Mm -hmm. actually. I think that artist was like 14. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Well, if she wasn't 14, she was doing a very good impression of a 14-year-old girl drawing comics because (laughs) that was very Lisa Frankish. It's a lot of unicorns. and. and... It's, original it's, my little puppy yeah it's it's mm. it's special but at the same time you know it came out uh people spent money on it comic book stores paid money to put it on their rack a, a lot of them are very mm. earnest and yeah. yeah you do feel a little bad and i try not to make i try to go easy on the art i actually do go easy on the, the art a lot because i know art is really hard yeah. uh mm. whereas a, a bad story is just like why would you even I think to to make fun of the art, it has to be some amazing, like anatomy fail, yeah, or, or like a pers- right. perspective that is just like does not work at all. Yeah, like why would you print this? Yeah, I think one of the like right. like that um, one of those Archie superhero comics. There's a scene where the 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 hero is, I'm not sure what he's doing. I think he's squatting, and they just like cut off half of his legs or something. It's it's really I don't know. It's an anchor. It's disturbing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and those guys are all like, especially mid 60s artists, they're all like these alcoholic, you yeah, know, yeah. page rate, give me, you know, couldn't care less. They couldn't care. Or like, right. There was, was a, paycheck. a 90s comic that isn't an image comic, but it's trying to be an image comic that I think we did not too long ago that has some astoundingly bad. There were a couple of these. Like, they have really fancy you know, oh, yeah, 90s yeah. era compute, computer coloring. And, you know, all the, the mm-hmm. special effects that your a little Mac could possibly offer. But the, the actual artwork was terrible. Yeah, the actual line art is like, we're just not going to draw a building I have here. never seen a human. <laughs> I don't know what a hand looks like. I, I can't look in the mirror and draw a hand. Well, I mean, hands are hard. But th- these are people who I honestly don't think they've ever seen a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Wow. <laughs> and I, I really, it's, that's, it's, that's I understand deadlines are a thing and stuff, but these people are so enraptured of the idea of like, I'm going to have, I'm going to publish my own comic. They're just so in love with that idea that the execution is almost secondary yeah. to, mm. oh no, I'm going to have my own comic. Yep. And it's going to be awesome. It, it will be awesome. And then, then, then they, like, it's, I can pay to print this comic or I can go to college. Well, I guess I'm going to pay to print this comic. <laughs> like a college yeah yeah it is like a college it's a school, school of hard knocks hard knocks <laughs> yeah you do wonder how many people blew their life savings back in like the 80s and 90s during those comic booms i feel yeah, bad just trying to yeah do that I, I feel bad for the retailers too because those are all non-returnable yeah like every one of those comics they spent money on every comic you see in a 25 cent bin they bought mm-hmm. at I don't want to say full retail, but you know whatever whatever wholesale discount they were getting, you know. Right, so they're yeah. taking a loss on every one of those comics, and this is why so many comic book stores go out of business. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, except for in London, Ontario, where they live forever with massive piles of old comics really? everywhere. Where? Oh, yeah, we're like the comic quarters of Ontario. <laughs> if, no, seriously, if you want, I'm, I'm in London, so if you want old comics, come to London. Our, our, our comic stores actually have to rent out, like, other space, other locations to just to store all the comics they have. I believe we have... I uh, think the only... Um, I know we've been to Speed City Records in London a couple of times, mm-hmm. but I don't believe... I, I know we've hit a couple of thrift stores downtown London. Yeah, I don't know that we've ever tried the comic books. Yeah, I think they're like, they're all, like, like, we would always be in London, and it would always be, like, you know, 5 o'clock on a Saturday, so everything's closed. You know, yeah. we'll have to make a special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, look out. Here we come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, check out uh, the comic book collector uh, Heroes, which is downtown L.A. Mood. Although L.A. Mood's kind of shifted to become a little more of a game store over the years. But Heroes has a massive number of comics. They really do. It's it's quite impressive. What are their prices like? I haven't been there for a while, so I can't really tell you. I, I, in, once upon a time, they were OK, but I I haven't been there for a bit. They'll, so I can't really tell you. They'll see us coming a mile. They'll away. see us coming. That's a nice plug <laughs> yeah, just, for them, right? Yep, yep. Just go in and ask for the oldest and uh, strangest comics they've got and see what happens. I, I, we will do that. Sometimes we'll we'll be in a store and they'll be like, "So, what are you looking for?" And we're like, "What is the 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 stupidest comics? Like, what? Where's the box of well, stuff?" Well, and then you they'll just sell? pull out. Oh, did you know Archie was a zombie? <laughs> yeah. It's true, actually. Yeah, what? and we've had like like that dealer was like. I can't stand Archie Comics myself, but... Right. Like, what's your problem, man? Jeez. Well, that right. that goes back to the old days, though, that Archie's not a real comic book. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and we heard this We heard this about manga. We heard this about Japanese cartoons, right? Yeah. It's like, I hate that mm-hmm. stuff, you know? And now, now the kids love it, right? And, like, yeah. what's... Uh, I don't think uh, the comic book show's not getting 20,000 people, you know? Mm-hmm. No, that's for sure. That's very true. That's why they have to combine with the anime shows now. It has to yeah. be Comic Expo, which is really mostly an anime convention. That's right. And whatever else, yeah. Yeah, but that's North America's comic industry for the past while was basically the Japanese comic industry. They were working really hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a, there, I mean, there was a manga boom. Manga like there was a, definitely saved a lot of comic book stores. I think. You know, and here's the deal. The deal is that there's just as mm-hmm. much, if not more, stupid manga than there is. You know. <laughs> Stupid American comics, way more, just from sheer weight of it. But we haven't, you know, we don't have the resources to really track that stuff down and dig it out. And that's always something that's on our radar. It's it's less Mm. obvious. I feel like the really stupid manga is less obvious. Like you can pick up a stupid comic and just look at the cover sometimes. Go, oh yeah, this is something worth checking out. But with manga, Mm. partly because if it's brought over here in the first place, obviously there's got to be someone behind it. Yeah, it's. I'm sure that there's right, a lot yeah. of crazy manga that never gets imported because, yep. you know, why would they? People, the, yep. the publisher is probably like, why in God's name did we publish this in the first place? I feel like there's a lot of Japanese manga that the Japanese are, are don't want exported. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> yeah. this well, is really not for you. Yeah. Well, I think that what we're interested mm. in is the ones where they're like, ah, uh, this is really not for anyone. <laughs> and I'm not sure why we made this to begin with. Not sure why. Without, you know, being fluent in Japanese and actually living in Japan where you can, you know, check it out all the time. There's a language barrier. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But the the best part about buying that sort of stuff in Japan is the look they give you at the cash (laughs) register. Mm -hmm. And they're like, 
Why are you buying this? That was, I think we got that more with like visual. Like, yeah, you yeah. got, he bought a, uh, we were in Tokyo and he bought a Sue Cat VHS, which is, she was. No, it was a DVD set. Oh, was it? Oh, oh, that's right. It was DVD. And it's like, you know, this dumb cartoon mascot character. And he's like, goes to the, the clerk and the clerk looks at him and goes, you know, this is Japanese. And we're like, no, I didn't know that, Mr. <laughs> Japanese man selling the video in Tokyo. Sue, <laughs> Sue Cat is this show. Um, it's about a, an idol singer girl who's a cat. And she becomes an idol singer. Okay. Yeah, she loses her memory. She's like a, con- she yeah, like a she, mascot. She was a mascot character, yeah. yeah. And she loses... So they wrote a story to go behind this mascot character. And she loses her memory. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, I'll become a star. And that way my relatives will see me on TV and they'll find me and I'll find out who I am. And it was made by this studio called Knack. And Knack mm-hmm. is the worst Japanese animation studio pretty much hands down. They kind of suck. Mm-hmm. They're they like did, the Charlton of anime. They are the Charlton of anime. <laughs> I used to say that. They did right. another show called Charge Man Ken, which is widely regarded to be the worst Japanese cartoon of all time. It's a really terrible super kid uh, science fiction cartoon. And mm-hmm. we went to a bar in Tokyo called Sonic 44, which is like an otaku bar. And we walk in the door, and Charge Man Ken is on the TV in the bar. Because they know how stupid Because is. they know exactly how stupid Charge Man Ken is. It's called Bokura. Bonker, right. that's what they call it. Like, you know, so so stupid. It's it, so bad. It's good, you know. And, and that's a new mm. concept for the Japanese. Yeah, too. yeah. They don't. They didn't really get irony. They're they're they're. Just <laughs> charge man Ken. Yeah. Made them, oh, that's what irony is. Oh, that's oh, camp. Okay. Oh. So we're we're in the bar and the guys we're like, holy shit, it's charge man Ken. And the 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 proprietor is like, you know, charge man Ken. We're like. The whole world knows of Charge Man Ken. <laughs> Actually, uh, Discotech is going to be putting that out on DVD uh, this year, by the way. So you wow. will be able to watch Charge Man Ken uh, in the privacy, legally in the privacy of your own home. Oh, okay. That's good. I highly recommend it. See, that? that's kind, okay. kind of weird, because I think um, for, for the nerdly arts, it, it seems that we had this thing in the 60s that the Japanese have always had never lose where they can straddle that line between oh yeah it's it's awesome and it's terrible at the same time they have this straight faced mm. it's because ability. of the lack of irony i think well, they yeah. they they're not trying to be funny they're it's like no this is really and you see that a lot with the the more melodramatic shojo manga like mm. It, mm. it's very very straightforward and it, there's no irony involved they're not trying to be funny or or uh, you have to take it at face no value. There's no winking yeah. or smirking. It's all, yeah. Yep. See, and this is what I, I really dislike about a lot of American media, especially like a lot of nerd stuff, is that it is so unsufferably winky and... Well, it's very self-aware. ...pandering, like, look what I did here. You saw what I did, right? <coughs> Pardon me. Yep. And it, it, that's really tedious. It's tiresome. I would much rather watch something that might be might be cheesy but it embraces its its what it's doing wholeheartedly. Yeah, mm. I agree. Mm. Yeah, that that's actually an idea that's come up in a in a lot of the interviews we've done. That um, a lot of people really do kind of value like your old, like the old Silver Age silly comics or the old like fifties and sixties B movies because they're they're not necessarily good, but. They're surprising. You're going to see things you've never seen before yeah. for good or ill. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of media these days, especially, well, okay, okay, uh, the the environment we're in right now is that most of our media is run by like three or four giant corporations. Yeah. You know, I mean, everything we, we're going to see is either Warner Brothers or Disney. Yeah. You yeah. know, like you go see a Star Wars movie, it's Disney. You go see a Marvel Comics movie, it's Disney. You go see a, a Warner Brothers thing, it's like, well, it's either, you know. Time Warner. Time Warner. Multi-Google. Multi, whatever, you know. And there's really not a lot of room anymore for these independent, uh, I don't want to say auteur directors, but guys like guys like David Lynch can't get arrested these days, you know? I think Woody Allen's the only mm. person, and his, his, I think he only keeps getting to make movies because his movies are so cheap. Yeah, he's super cheap, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, they cost yeah. nothing to make. A guy like Russ Meyer couldn't even, like, they would run him out of town on a rail. You know, well, he, he would just—he would be on the internet. He would be making movies on the internet. He would be that's making right. his little cam girl movie pictures on the internet, and I think that's where a lot of people are going to go. But the problem is separating the wheat from the chaff when it comes to the internet. There's no, yeah. there's no um, gatekeeper. There's no, there's no distributor going. Okay, faster pussycat kill kill is going to go in the drive-in this week. Yeah, I mean the, the drive-ins, and I love going to the drive-in, but it's you know the major motion pictures going in there. There's not, they're not filling out. It's not movies specially made i feel like a lot of a lot of what's what shaped uh us like shane and i personally uh, our pop culture sensibility is being able to watch uhf television and see a lot of reruns of 50s and 60s shows and weird monster movies and japanese cartoons and then we were able to go to the movie theater and see maybe some weird roger corman movie you know b pictures and stuff like that and everything wasn't quite as programmed as it is now yeah. I mean, it was programmed, but it was it was a little looser, I think. Yeah, it was a little less less. I mean, because when Reagan came in, they deregulated the uh, the broadcast industry. So suddenly, instead of having small UHF stations in every city, each one coming Super up stations. Yeah, each one yeah. coming up with his own horror host, and each one trying to say, well, which sea captain is going to introduce Gigantor this week? You know, now it's like it's the UPN network, and yeah. every city gets the same stuff you know yeah. yeah and that's boring it's tedious mm. i agree yeah yeah we lost a lot of variety when those uhf stations were gone i feel like that's how we got we got the japanese cartoons we loved is because these uhf stations yeah. needed programming and yeah. where are they going to get programming it's going to be japan right of course now we have and wherever's cheap yeah wherever's cheap yeah. we get mexican wrestling movies and italian sword and sandal movies and spaghetti westerns and Weird, you know, I mean, freak Doctor Who, you know? I mean, that, that was some weird British thing no one wanted to watch. Yeah, and we were the last generation to grow up on that stuff, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I think we're it. You know, the funny thing is that when I was a kid, and, you know, I'm sure everyone else, like, we'd watch reruns of shows that were on before we were born. Like, yeah. I remember watching mm, Bit yeah. to Beaver. Like, that was like another universe to me, because it was, you know, before I was born. But... These days, the reruns, when they show sitcom reruns on TV, it's shows that are actually still running. Yeah, it'd be like like the new like, girl. They or stopped showing Office reruns after the Office, you know, before the Office went off the air. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's strange. Like, yeah, you see, like, yeah. 8 million episodes of The Big Bang Theory, but as soon as that goes off the air, you're not going to see it on TV anymore at all. What will we do when The Big Bang going. Theory is gone? <laughs> I don't know there's how. There's one we'll station. There's just a local station. I think I, I can't. I may. I can't remember which one it is, but I just call it the Big Bang Station because that's all. It seems like every time I flip past, it's all Sheldon all the time. 
it probably it's Omni TV, is it? It probably yeah, I think I'm thinking of yeah. Omni. Yeah. Yeah. Omni does that where they just pick one or two uh, sitcoms and they just run them to death yeah. every evening in between their international programming. Which to be fair, that's how I got caught up on the office, so Yeah, that's okay. true. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I will say this about the I was say the difference, but when I moved up to Canada, I'm like, okay, what's gonna be different about Canada, right? And it seems to me that there's this whole this whole, I don't want to say universe, but there's a lot of Canadian popular culture that is just mm-hmm. completely ignored. It's like mm-hmm. like stuff like Forest Rangers, right? It's almost like right. like Canada is kind of embarrassed of its own homegrown stuff. Like there's yeah, some there's some homegrown are. stuff sometimes, that... Sometimes if I'm up at the right time of day, I'll turn on CHCH and see uh, Littlest Hobo. Littlest Hobo, yeah, right? You know? Mm. If I'm lucky. And and I am yeah, like but, a complete newcomer to this stuff, but I'm like, no, 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 you should you should be shoving this down everybody's throat. They should be, yeah. They're like, no, 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 you're in Canada. Now. This is what you watch. All star lost, all little <laughs> all the time. <laughs> <laughs> people will be leaving in droves. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Not the star lost. <laughs> no, that's true. But the littlest hobo, yeah, every Canadian pretty much has grown up watching that at one point or another. I love that yeah. show. That dog is really smart. Yeah. I feel like there's a whole. Yeah. There's this sort of mid-century... Uh, uh, I saw one. I'm pretty sure he was, like, driving a fire in him. <laughs> <laughs> really love that dog. Now, when, did they, like, have a close-up of his paws <laughs> on the steering wheel, you know? <laughs> He's leaning out the window, kind of chill. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, that is a show we never... Like, the existence of that show is just... You, the United States has no idea that show or exists. the Beachcombers. I believe it. Yeah, mm-hmm. or, the beach, or, or the Beachcombers. Or forest rangers, yep, for that yeah. matter. Yep, I could see that. Or the red green show. We got the red green yeah, show that, in this. That States. was actually pretty popular. You did get that. Yeah. Okay, good. And we got kids in the hall. Yeah. Like oh, okay. kids in the hall was a big deal. Like when I was in college, like like Buffington and everyone's like, oh, kids in the hall is on, and we would like we're watching kids in the hall. Really? Yeah. Wow, cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we went we went to the theater. When Brain Candy came out, we went to the movie theater in Atlanta, Georgia, and watched motherfucking Brain Candy. Huh. I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast. You can bleep. Ah, uh, go ahead. <laughs> we just occasionally throw in an explicit tag if people cuss, but eh, it's not a big deal. So, Don, did you have any other questions you want to ask? Uh, the, I think we covered a, a lot of it. The one thing I wanted to ask about was, uh, what's the deal with Evil Doctor Eleven? What is the deal with Evil Doctor Eleven? Why don't you tell us the deal? Okay, well, um, once upon a time, I had two cats. Um, mm-hmm. This was a different marriage, and um, never let your ex name your cat is uh, <laughs> lesson number one because he insisted on naming it. Mm-hmm. We got two kittens, and he insisted on naming one the Evil Doctor Eleven. And as it <laughs> happened, she was pretty crazy looking. She was like um, part Persian, and she just had this really weird, like huge eyes. She's the runt, big head. She was the runt of the litter, so she looked kind of weird. So it, it fit. So uh, okay, we had mm-hmm. two cats, Gabby and the Evil Doctor Eleven, and I decided I thought it would be fun. I had a friend who was actually looking into doing uh, daily newspaper strips, and this was at a time when that was not a complete uh, <laughs> the dying art. It form. wasn't, yeah, it wasn't coal mining or, or buggy whip making. Um, so I was like, oh, I, I might give that a try. That sounds like a, a fun thing to try. So I, I did. I thought it would be fun to make a little comic strip about my two cats. Um, and I actually did have a lot of. I actually really liked that strip. I still think it's kind of funny. I think it's a good strip. And I leave it up mainly out because the cats passed away a few years ago, and I leave it up mainly as you know memorial to them. 
but uh, yeah, that's I just I tried to do a newspaper strip once and nobody bought it, but I still like it. So I think you could bring that back. It was think, one um, of the first things I, I learned to ink with a brush with, so the artwork is kind of weird. Okay. That cat was um, that was a goofy cat. Yeah, those the the cats were sisters and they. Didn't they kind of ignored each other? But if one was getting more attention, the other one would show up and go, "Hey, <laughs> hey!" They were super competitive. They were really, really jealous of each other. Huh. I think I'm a bad parent. <laughs> <laughs> Shane and Dave, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah. It's been fascinating to hear about uh, about Mr. Kitty and your background, and uh, used to talk, you know, talk anime and pop culture with you. Well, thanks for letting uh, letting me ramble on. I we think both, we went. Uh, we both enjoy rambling about silly nonsense. We'll be back next week. Oh. We'll ramble some more. <laughs> okay. Well, you are always welcome back on the show if you want to come back on. We're gonna have to come. We're gonna have to visit London and do some comic book. Yeah, shopping. we will definitely do that. Yeah. Thanks. Definitely. Thanks for yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to hear more or join the conversation, come visit us at obeythedna.com. You can also find us on iTunes or whatever fine podcast site forgot to lock their back door. So until next time, remember that to master the nerdly arts takes time, practice, and enough Coca-Cola to drop a rhino. See ya!